Welcome to the Endurance Coachpreneur Podcast, hosted by me, Coach Michelle Lake. This is the show that helps endurance coaches bridge the gap from hobby to creating a dream, impact-filled, and profitable coaching business. We will discuss all things endurance business, including time management, marketing, mindset, growing your community of engaged athletes, all while increasing impact and profitability. Listen here to grow your athlete roster of ideal, perfect-for-you athletes while bringing home more income for you and your family. Endurance coaching is already your dream job. Let's make it a full-time reality. Welcome back to episode four of the Endurance Coachpreneur. And today I'm talking about the seven lessons of seven years as a business owner. So this is one of my favorite things. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I had a really bad cough and I wasn't able to record and went through some personal stuff last week. So it took me some time to get to this one. So I've been thinking about it a lot. So I'm I'm really excited for this one because I think there's going to be a lot of nuggets that you can take in your business and use right away. So first off, I'll talk about kind of my history and why it's been seven years as a business owner. So originally, when I first got certified, I was coaching under a bigger group as a minority owner. I own 19% of the business. And uh, there was there was cover. There was p- other people and other coaches that were in our business. Um, I obviously was making decisions and helping out, but I wasn't the the primary owner. I didn't have all the responsibility and risk for how the business went, but I also wasn't the final say on basically any decision. So when, I think it was about mid-2016, the other three owners decided that they didn't really want to coach anymore. So we disbanded or uh, stopped that business. And I had about a two-month notice to create something new. So I'd already been kind of thinking in the back of my mind that I wanted to create my own business because it it was a little out of whack. I was a minority owner, but I was also a the primary um, revenue uh, coach in the group. I was making about 70% of nine coaches at that point. So it really didn't make sense for me to be working for someone else when I was pri- most of the work. So we had about two months to get it all set up. And I brought along one of the assistant coaches, not one of the owners that I really worked well with Kim and we started 5-3 Racing officially on December 1st, 2016. I was in this room that I'm sitting in right now. We had a party at our house to launch it. We had hats, we had all of the things. And it was it was a a really great day because I I think I was always meant to run my own thing. Like I have entrepreneurship in my blood, my father's and my mother um, our entrepreneurs. So I had that that feeling and I'd been thinking even if it was subconsciously about it for a really long time. So now that it's been seven years, it was December 1st, 2016, and now we're in January of 2024. So a little over seven years. Uh, let me go through the seven things that I learned in those years that as you start your coaching business or you've been in it a bit and you want to make improvements may help you. So, you know, lessons that you can learn from me. So the first one is, is that you need to market to grow. So when we first started that business, we did a lot of marketing because we were announcing something. It was like a launch. So when you have a launch, you're, you know, we had hats and we had a party and 
posting on social media and our athletes were sharing that we had started a new business and they were swap, you know, they were staying with me in this new business. And we were, I was doing challenges in, in a Facebook group and we had workouts and all these things. And also what had was going on is I had a one-year-old and uh, it was a lot. And business was the best that it has ever been in 2016. I'd been coaching since about 2010, but 2016 was my highest revenue year by a lot. And now that I look back, it's because I was doing marketing. I was talking about our services. I was, our athletes were sharing things. I was posting on social media. I was, you know, having parties. I was taking a lot of action and action marketing is action. So then as the years went on, and now fast forward to 2020, I probably was about 75% of the revenue I was in 2016. Why is that? I stopped doing marketing. I was just focusing on being a mom and coaching my athletes to my best ability. That's all I was doing. There was no marketing. I very few. I, very seldom would I post on social media. I wouldn't get any reaction. I wouldn't get any action back from it. I wouldn't get a new I would post once, expect five new athletes and I would get none. And I said, "Well, okay, well, obviously social media is stupid." And I wasn't thinking about how it needed to be something consistent that you needed to keep doing. So Come the pandemic, there was a lot of things that happened. And I think I talk about this in a different episode, but I, I woke up to the fact that I actually should be marketing. And just because people were out of work or and there wasn't any racing going on didn't mean that I still couldn't talk about my business. So I started talking about it and a lot in the 2021-ish and business blew up. It went crazy. And 2021 ended up being a better year than 2016, and then it's continued to increase. You need to market your business to grow. Without marketing, where you just live off referrals and live off athlete results, what happens is, is that you get people, but it slowly shrinks. You need to market to grow. Even great businesses, even huge coaching companies, they will still do marketing. I had this feeling that marketing meant that I wasn't a good coach. If I have to ask people to work with me, that means I suck, which is obviously ridiculous. So gladly, I got over that block and now I market and I happily market because I know it's important for people to get to know you and get to understand what you're offering so that you can grow your business. So number one, you need to market to grow. Number two, time. This stuff takes time. Like I said before, I posted once and assumed that suddenly my business would grow. No, these things are going to take time. Just like our athletes don't get race fit in one day, it takes time. And I want you to think long-term, not think about how much you're going to grow in the next month, but think how much you're going to grow in the next year or five years. Because the coaching businesses that are enduring and are doing great things have been around for a while. It takes time. Even the ones that move really fast, it took years. They didn't grow to huge businesses in one year. It took a couple years. You have to give this thing time. And whether we like it or not, many of many coaches quit very short into it, like under two years, because they don't they see how much work it is and they weren't anticipating how much time it was going to take. So number two is it's going to take time. And your business is the result of what you did 
six, nine, 12 months ago. So your business today is not what you did today. It's what you did months ago. Okay. So it's going to take time. When I meet a new athlete, like new to me, I don't think, oh my gosh, I want to coach them tomorrow. I think about what an amazing asset they will be to my life to know another person that may hire me tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, or 10 years from now. I have athletes that I've known for over 10 years that are just hiring me now. It takes time. I also think about that athlete. This is a little bit of a a side note, but I also think about that athlete as someone that may refer me somebody tomorrow or the next week or a year or 10 years from now. Okay. So time is, it takes time and you can't expect it all to happen overnight. If it was an overnight thing, everybody would have amazing businesses, right? And they don't. And most of the ones that have big businesses that have been in it a long time. So number two, take, it's going to take time. Number three, you can't be the coach for everyone. There's two parts to this. First off, you're going to have to say no. You're, I know you're desperate. Desperate's a bad word. But many of you are very interested in growing your businesses. And it's really easy to take every athlete on. Even if you get red flags in your sales call or when you're talking to them, you're like, I really don't. I'm not. For instance, I may get an inquiry that says, hey, I need you to teach me how to swim. I know now that I need to say no because I don't have time and I don't have interest in teaching someone how to swim. Some of you listening may love that client. That athlete is going to be better with someone else or like a learn to swim program. I have to know to say no. And I was not always good at saying no. I took on a lot of athletes that had a lot of red flags, ones that even told me up front they were going to be really difficult. And I was not discerning to the fact that they were telling me the truth. I was like, oh, no, no, I'll figure it out. You have to look at the athlete and really assess, is this someone I want to work with long-term? And it's, it is not your job to coach everyone. It is your job to coach your perfect ideal people, okay? And they are out there. You just may have to be a little bit discerning and something for a whole other day, but you can qualify athletes before you even get on a sales call. You can, have, you can ask them questions beforehand. You can read what they wrote and say, hey, I don't think you're a good fit at this time. It's okay. It's better for both of you. You know, it's like you, you don't want to get married to somebody that you're not supposed to get married to. That's bad for both of you, right? So not that coaching is a marriage, but you can say no. And it's also really important to get smart on who you want to coach. What is your niche? Who is your ideal athlete? That will help you say no because you will know who you're looking for. And think of it this way. If you bring on an athlete you really don't want, you're taking a spot from somebody else that you really want. And that's not what we want to do. And further down the line, when you bring on that athlete that wasn't a good fit, an outcome could be that you're super frustrated with working with this person. And every time you open up your training app to look at their workouts and their comments, you cringe. That energy loss is going to end up hurting you in other places, meaning you're not going to be able to coach your other athletes as well because of the frustration you just had with that one. So think about this big picture, long term. Do you really want to co- Do you really want to add another person, or 
do you really only want to add a perfect person? And I have, I struggled with this one for quite a bit that I just can't be the coach for everyone. And the more specific I talk about who I want to coach with, the better um, inquiries that I do get. So it is important to know who that person is. So number three, can't be the coach for everyone. Number four, the longer you are in it, the more you must say no. So that could also be with sponsorships, partnerships, the people you choose to work with. You are you're, The bigger your business becomes, the more you will get opportunities from other businesses or just other things or people that want to pair up with you. It's going to feel extremely flattering. It's going to be like, wow, they think I'm good enough to do this? This is amazing. This is where it's really important to say no. You're going to have to say no more. You're going to have less time. You're going to have less space. You're not like even when we choose athletes, like I said before, we're not going to have time to do swim lessons anymore. And some of us really struggle to say no because as coaches, many of us are people pleasers. And we're like, wow, somebody's really interested in working with me. I need to say yes. This one has burned me quite a few times. And I won't get into it here, but you're going to have to say no to partnerships or working together with people if it doesn't make sense. And you're going to have to really think about it. So number four, the longer you are in it, the more you must say no. So say no. Number five, coaching is a personal business. So you're going to have to let people get to know you. Uh, This one is, uh, you know, I follow a lot of coaches on Instagram. They follow whatever. That's that's what that account is for. Coach Michelle Lake is for coaches. And I watch a lot of coaches. And I, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's probably a good 50% are extremely scared to let people know who they are. Extremely scared. And this could go into its own episode on its own because it's such a big thing. But when you are a personal business, you are a personal brand. People hire you, not a logo. I can I get the heebie-jeebies. I don't even know if that's the right thing. You, I just get like feeling super awkward when I go to an account and I look at it and it's a coaching account and I see a logo and I see really bland profile writing like, hey, I coach everyone all the time and I don't know who the coach is. And I know it's only one coach. It's not like a big group. And I don't, I can't figure out where they're located I can't figure out who the coach is. I don't know what their name is. I don't know where they're from. I know nothing. That's an instant turnoff for me, and it's an instant turnoff for athletes because they don't know who they're talking to. If you, We need to know who the coach is. I don't hire a logo. I don't hire workouts. I don't hire a race plan. I hire a person when I hire a coach. And if I don't know who you are, I there's we're done. We're done. Those coaches that have those accounts on Instagram, they're only athletes are going to come from referrals or people they know well in in real life. Because they're not letting anyone online get to know them. And even more so, what we use social media for is to build trust. Their trust building is extremely diminished compared to that coach that's getting on video and talking and they have their name and they have their picture and we know who they are and they have some level of long-form content. They get on Instagram Live or they have a podcast or they do some video. 
something where we can actually get to know them. So instead, I just see this, it's like a thing, and here's some tips. There's too much competition out there right now to be hiding on social media. And I understand this is hard. It's hard for everyone when they start. Very few people are like, hey, yeah, here I am. I'm there. You know, not many people have that confidence. They have the imposter syndrome. I think it was last episode I talked about all those. This is where you're going to need some help, either doing reading, working on personal development, working with a coach to get through this thing. If you really want to be a coach and really want to grow your business, this is going to block you forever. Number five. It's a personal business and we need to get to know you to hire you. A story I tell all the time and probably have said it a thousand, like a thousand times now is when I was looking for a coach after my son was born, I was on Twitter and reading the blogs that were posted to Twitter of a coach. Hi, Liz, if you're listening. And Liz talked a lot about IVF and pregnancy and racing an Ironman less than a year after the birth of their child. I sign up for an Ironman that was going to be 11 months after my son's birth, and I went through IVF. She was telling me about herself, and she was telling everybody. That allowed me to connect with her. I would have never hired her if I didn't know those facts. Not because she wasn't good or whatever. It's just I wouldn't even had any interest. She's not local to me. I didn't know her personally, but she was giving me things that I could connect with personally because she was letting me get to know her. And I have a million, uh, maybe not a million, but I have tons of other examples of this. If you're listening to this and feeling sick to your stomach, reach out. Let's get working on this. This is really important. You are, it's, it's, gonna be the, it's gonna be the thing that's gonna make or break things. You're gonna have to be able to put yourself out there and it's gonna take some work and some time, but we will get there. So number five, you gotta put yourself out there, even personally. I'll go into this one even a little bit more. Even personally, I struggled with this one. I would see coaches on Instagram getting on stories and talking on video and be like, oh my gosh, like that just makes me ill. It makes <laughs> makes it makes me sick. Uh, I would see the coaches making, you know, and you know, the big ones that are well known in maybe marketing or fitness that everybody knows who they are. And I just was like, they're different than me. I personally cannot relate to them because they are different than me than they are doing these things. I will never do these things. And then what worked for me was that with two things. First off was I committed to the fact that I needed to start acting like those people. I wasn't going to just automatically turn into them and that I did have an opportunity to change. Like I, I wasn't different than them. I was the same. I just needed to actually do the things they were doing, if that makes sense. And number two is with practice, it got easier. The first time I went on, like, tried to go, I remember this so clearly. I was at the beach and I was trying to go live, not live, but do a, a story on um, Instagram where I'm talking to the camera and I was mortified. Now I do it with like no takes and I, I unless I say something completely that makes no sense, I, I just hit, um, I put it out there and in the universe. But back then I was, super scared to do it because it's really scary and it's gross and it makes you feel kind of sick at first. And I think I did 45 takes. Like I was walking between 
the house and the pool at the beach. And it was kind of a long walk. And I, I do it, delete, do it, delete, do it, delete, do it, delete. And then finally I was so tired. I had gotten to the pool and I was like, you know what? It's time to just hit, hit post. And I posted it and I didn't die and everything was fine. And I even think I got like a nice comment from it. So it's hard. I get it. I've been in your shoes. Just it's going to, number five is the most important one. Make sure that you realize that you're going to have to put yourself out there to grow. People can't connect with a logo. Okay. Logos for your kit, not for your, not for your everything. Number six, athletes will leave you and it's okay. Um, I look back on when I was growing my business, this, the first business and now the sec, this one, um, first coaching business and then five, three, I had an intense fear of my favorite athletes leaving, like crippling. And I've heard from other coaches that this is debilitating for them as well. So I'm going to bring it up and I'll talk to you about how I improved it, but, or how I got better with it. It's never better. I still have issues with it. Um, the way I, I remember getting if I I still get this, if you if I get an email or a text from an athlete asking for a meeting, I get really nervous. Like I'm like, oh, maybe they're taking a break or maybe it's not working or something's wrong. It is completely normal to feel this way. Now I know because I hear from so many coaches that they feel the same way. But it's also irrational. It's uh the inner critic, it's the little voice in your head that's not that's there to protect you, but not necessarily always help you out. And I am doing a better job of not listening, but I've done some things like when an athlete signs up for a call, I have a question at the end that says, hey, what are we talking about today? So that way, at least when it says my race schedule for next year, I don't, I'm not anxious anymore. So yeah, you can clearly hear that I still have issues with this one, but it does get better. And I think with the realization, knowing that 90% of the time, at least a very high percentage, the athlete is leaving not because of you, but because of all the other things in life. Like they're tired of racing. They want a break from schedule. They have a big work thing coming. They um, are pregnant. They, you know, they're, they've decided that they need to, they want to change, change things up. Like things that have really, even if an athlete leaves you for another coach, it doesn't necessarily even mean that you're the problem. They may just need something new or they'd like something new. So Athletes are going to leave you. It is just part of the business. And for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, the months after their A race through usually about November, it happens a lot, especially with the triathlon coaches. With the running coaches, it usually is sometime after the marathon. Um, I also do believe that running coaches, the running athletes tend to go race to race with coaches more like they'll sign up to work with you for a race and then take a break more than triathletes will. But it's, you know, it's, they're going to leave. I've had, I have athletes I've had for eight, 10 years and even them, they may leave. That's, it's very possible. So just accept that this is going to maybe happen and be okay with it and be resilient. Okay. So we're at number seven. Mentorship is an accelerator. So, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I had my major improvement, change, whatever you want to say, when I started marketing and when I had somebody help me. It is really important to get somebody that can cover your blind spots 
and also teach you what works, but also motivate you and accelerate you forward in progress. So very important that you get that person that's watching you. Just like I have, I know coaches that hire, they hire coaches for their sport, even though they're coaches, but are scared to co- to hire a business coach. And I'm like, but they want to grow their businesses and do it on their own. But in as an athlete themselves, they are scared to hire somebody. And, I'm, and it doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, well, as an athlete, you kind of already know how to coach yourself and you're hiring somebody. But for business, it would be really scary. Uh, you know, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Maybe it's because you're even further putting yourself out there and hiring a coach for athletics is something that you really understand. But it is such a huge help. The What I learned from my three mentors is so amazing, so life-changing, so helpful that I can't even like, I can't even explain it properly. And when you talk to coaches that have rather big businesses, they've either been in it a super long time or they've had mentorship in the business arena. They've had some help. I I, I would love to hear if there's a business that's grown hu- very quickly that has not had mentorship in some way. It's probably very rare. So it is not luck. It is not because that coach is a different person. It is not all, any of these things. It's because they've had help. And as coaches, we should always be looking to be better at the things we do. And having mentorship is and accepting that we can be better too, that not only do we help others, but that we can be helped as well is very important. So that's number seven. Mentorship is an accelerator. It's something I really learned. I kind of did it all on my own. And there's so many times when I go back and look at my past and I say, you know what? Like, it's crazy to think that I did a lot of this stuff on my own and I dealt with all the doubts and I had all these blocks and I worked through them on my own and I didn't have help. And I'm like, if I had had help in 2010 when I got started, I can't even imagine where I would be now. Like my business would be, if it's where it is now, where would it have been back then? It's just, I can't even imagine it. So r- really big thing. But let's, it, let's go back and review all of these. So number one, you need to market to grow. Number two, time. It takes time. Number three, you can't be the coach for everyone. Number four, the longer you're in it, the more you must say no. Number five, Coaching is a personal business. You will have to let people get to know you. That is, okay. Well, remember, that's the one that has all the stars next to it because it's most important. Number six, athletes will leave you and it's okay. And number seven, mentorship is an accelerator. So hope you liked this episode. I'd love feedback. You can DM me at Coach Michelle Lake on Instagram. And you, I would love if you would give me a review. Reviews will help me get this out to more coaches. We already have a pretty small niche. Uh, I don't expect that this podcast is ever going to have tons of downloads just because, you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty tight. It's pretty focused on endurance, running, triathlon, cycling, swimming coaches and other fringe endurance coaches. So uh, but reviews will really help get it to, to more people. I would love to keep putting these out and it's been so fun and guess guess what i'm i'm not stopping anytime soon i've really been enjoying it um and that's it for today uh thanks for listening
Thanks for listening. If you love this episode or have any feedback, DM me at Coach Michelle Lake. That's Michelle with two L's on Instagram. Also take time to leave me a review if you enjoyed it. Until next time, coaches, let's get out there, grow who you know, take action, and keep changing the lives of our athletes.